Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Already His Workmanship podcast. Uh, today, I have my friend Logan with me. Good morning, Logan. Hey, good morning, Todd. And today we are covering the alternate part of step nine that that's not in most recovery programs it is in celibate recovery um but it, it's the concept in the the flip side of the coin is step nine from amends which is forgiveness and um this is a weird one right because uh, we've talked about it a few times because so we slipped into talking about it there the last couple of weeks um but but forgiveness is a, is a really big deal um i already told the story about like kind of why being willing to forgive is important um but, but now we're going to the act of forgiveness this time right and so there's a couple of subtle things that i want to cover in like the act of forgiving that is so hard um first is tied to self-worth um you know, in my experience, I had a point in my life where um, my self-worth was so low, I truly believed that all the bad things that were happening to me, especially when I was a child, were, like, valid, right? Like, um, that I was, you know, that that I was, like, really, truly this horrible person that deserved these specific things that were happening to me. Um that that one's a really hard one to get out of and see like the even the concept of like i need to forgive people for harming me is hard because you're like i deserved everything that happened to me right um that's the part i was stuck for a really long time in thinking um was this like very victim-based mentality um 50 of the time i thought of myself as deserving any of the bad things that happened to me and 50% of the time, um, I spend it, like, just in resentment going, like, if you knew what had happened to me, you blah, 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 justify my actions, that sort of thing. Um, but it was a very, like, external thing, um, a system where, like, I didn't have any control. It was, like, everybody's always doing these wrong things. Um, I have no autonomy in the situation. Um, that, that's kind of where I was at. So I'll let you reflect on those kind of two concepts, Logan, and then I will tell the story of how that started to change for me even before recovery. So, Yeah, I mean, that's uh, – I think a lot of people find themselves in that place where where uh, I think there's a, there's a, a tendency to try to – to try to take responsibility even sometimes for things that are that are not ours and then and get stuck in that it's there uh especially especially those who experience trauma right that the there's a there's almost a desire to to justify especially if you are especially if you care or uh are you know there's a family member or something like that. One of the people that maybe perpetrated something on, on you There's all, you're always kind of looking for a reason, but you know, we, we look at it life and sometimes we try to find reasons for things that, that we just can't understand, especially when we're young. Um, and, and we will, we'll even sometimes manufacture them. Um, <laughs> especially, I mean, th that's, that's why, that's why 
you know, our self-image and our identity is such an empower, uh, such an important and powerful um, concept for us. Um, our identity, you know, sort of from that stems, you know, what we think we deserve, what we, how we think that we're supposed to be treated um, are all kinds of things that come out of that, which is one of the things that I think um, I have struggled with, um, especially with, because I've, I've done so much work in youth ministry, is I've worked with so many young people and um, a misconception of their identity and a misconception of that is um, does lead to a lot of a lot of um, walking wounded people and people carrying things and and not forgiving or not really um, understanding what they're worth or um, understanding who they are in Christ, um, all kinds of things like that. So um, it's definitely something that comes up a lot. I think, you know, from my conversations with you, I know that it comes up a lot in recovery, um, but it's, uh, it's definitely something that you that I've run into quite a few times. I've struggled with myself, um, but also um, a lot of times counseling with young people uh, in the situations that I find myself, I've run into the same thing. And there has to be this understanding firsthand of, of your identity and who you are and 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 then understanding that you know for in some situations it's like doesn't matter what you did no one deserves to be treated a certain way or you know etc so i mean that's kind of my my first my first thoughts when i go walk into that is you know i think that's something that that a lot of people struggle with um in that well you know there's some sort of justification for the way i was treated when in reality you know it, it doesn't really matter um, there has to be, you know, everyone at its basic level is is a human being and deserves to be treated in a human way. Yeah. Um, so I have one thing that I do whenever I run into fellow people like me that are pretty far out there and like everything they talk about is being a victim. And I give them the copy of my of a book I own. I've given away probably 15 times now uh, called Man's Search for Meaning. It was written by Viktor Frankl, who was an Austrian uh, psychiatrist that uh, came from the Freudian branch of psychiatry and was practicing in the 30s and in the 40s in Austria, um, was a Jew and was thrown in Auschwitz by the Germans, um, survived Auschwitz and Man's Search for Meaning is uh, a book written about his conclusions about humanity based on his experiences in Auschwitz. And he talked about how um, every human being has the basic capacity to um, decide to do something different in the most horrific um with the most horrific external things happening, right? So he came from, uh, Frankel came from a point of view that like we do just, we just respond to our external stimuli, right? And you can force people to do something you want them to do by uh, giving them the stimuli to do that, right? By beating them, by doing whatever it takes to get them there, torturing them. But he saw the exact opposite, right? He saw people give away half a potato when they're in such a, such high cal uh, caloric uh, deficit 
that a half a potato oh, would mean that they would die in a few weeks because they just didn't have enough calories because that one day they gave away half a potato. Uh, they saw people uh, that um, when they were ladling out soup, try to get like everybody equal amounts of the protein and the, all the stuff in the soup, not play favorites. Even when the guards were trying to force them to play favorites. Like all these stories about how people responded to the most horrific conditions with great humanity and care for their fellow human beings when that humanity and care meant almost certain death. Um, I read this at a time, like when I was just struggling, when I was out of college, just trying to figure out how to like do anything in the world at all. And like, that was the first crack in my armor of like, oh, I don't, I have some autonomy in the way I think, right? I can think differently about stuff. I, I don't have to react these ways to things. And that was like the first crack in the, like, I, I have control over stuff rather than I don't have any control, whatever. Um, so that is the first chink there. Right. And just like, like, I just suggest everybody go read that book, no matter what. It's just so impactful to me in, in a deep way, right? Like, and his conclusion in the in the book was that, like, all the people that survived um, had a connection to God and had a conversation with God where they felt like they had a mission that only they could accomplish. And that's what helped them survive to the end. That's what kept them going when everybody else failed was this thing like this is my mission right and so his conclusion of it is that you know we can survive anything in the world when we're attuned to god and we know what our god-given mission is right so very existential way of thinking about getting through things which is kind of the way i i talk all the time um but but leading back into this forgiveness portion of it right is this this really radically different shift about being able to say, oh, I have some responsibility in this situation. And my responsibility might be just like, oh, I'm holding anger, resentment. I need to forgive this person. Um, so so that's kind of that portion there. Um, I'll let you reflect on that before I dig into the, the meat of everything next. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I think that 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 story resonates very deeply with me because i mean the it, for me purpose is everything uh, if if you understand your purpose you, first off and, and you know well if you understand your purpose there's there's almost nothing that you can't get through and i've always mm -hmm. felt that way but but you know hearing hearing the story you know, of, of being in Auschwitz and having the same thing be true just further reinforces, uh, you know, just a belief that I've held for a long time. Uh, that's why I think for me, there's that, there's the, the, the baseline of identity, like who am I? Because who am I, you know, who does, who does God say I am? Um, because to me, identity unlocks, like what is your purpose is often tied to what your identity is. So if you have a misconception of what your identity is, then it's hard to figure out what your purpose is. If you have a, a healthy understanding of what your identity is, then your purpose becomes clear. And then once you have purpose, to me, purpose is the central, the central thing that keeps me sane, motivated, moving in the right direction, doing things that are difficult, 
that are the right things to do. Um, because, you know, for me, the, 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 the biggest horror of, of, you know, the, the biggest suffering that I could go through would be that if I, if I had no purpose, uh, to me, that's like, you know, uh, you, what you, I I'm born, I, I wake up, I eat, I sleep, I consume, I, you know, I, and then what I, I die and then that's it. And to me, that just seems so empty, but that this idea of like, once you connect with your purpose, that's why for me, you know, talking with people or even, even through my, my role in, at my church or work or wherever it is to me, one of my, my greatest pleasures is to see people find that purpose, find that thing that really they connect with that's bigger than them. Um, because the idea of us spending our life and then being able to spend our life, you know, pour your life into something that is worthwhile is just a, a wonderful and like beautiful thing. Um, and I think the people who have found their purpose, there's just a resilience to the way that they, they operate in life. Um, and I think that to me is, is one of the core things that everybody should seek and seek the Lord, seek, you know, reflect, meditate, find, find that reason, you know, and it doesn't have to be one thing. Those reasons that, that you exist and um, those, those, those ways, the subtle ways that you can improve the world, even if it's just on the microcosm of the people that you are, you're connected with, you know, your sphere of influence, we love to say in, in my, in my church context is like, there's a specific group of people that only you are uniquely positioned to reach or to impact that I don't, that Todd doesn't, that you're, friends don't that your you know professor your mentor your guru those people are you're uniquely positioned to to go after them and and to make an impact in their life and so it's our responsibility i believe uh in order to do that um and so yeah that that definitely resonates very deeply with me yeah it resonates with me too right and um I think part of it, like, uh, I, I bring up that story and I bring up that thought process because um, for me, this the path to forgiveness is more secure, circuitous, difficult to find than the, than the amends, right? The amends, like, we figured all those out, like, through the rest of this process, right? But the forgiveness portion, it's more nebulous. It's harder to do. Um, and at the same time it's not right like um if you close your eyes and think of the person you said you're never going to forgive most people have that image of that person instantaneously in their head and the exact thing they were never going to forgive right like everybody listening sorry i just did that to you right um but that person right you thoroughly forgive that person. You don't have to talk to them at all. Well, let's get into the mechanics of this, right? So forgiveness is a change of heart, um, right? And so, um, and it doesn't mean that, like, hey, you trust this person again. It doesn't mean that you engage in a deep relationship with this person again immediately. Um it doesn't mean any of those things, right? Forgiveness is about freeing your heart 
from the debt of the harm done to you, right? Because that that debt carries a huge weight in your heart. Um, it doesn't mean like this reconciliation the way everybody thinks it does, right? Where like you're forgiven. Uh, that doesn't mean that there's trust built up yet. That doesn't mean that um, they're right. So some of these inflicted violence or great harm on you. Well, you know, the boundaries might need to be really high, right? There are people in my life who I have very high boundaries with this because where they're at in life, they can't have, um, right? They're just not safe people for me. They're just, you know, um, I remember years ago, uh, uh, wanting to do like a, uh, like traveling someplace and going to see somebody and talking with my counselor. I'm like, okay, if I like go to their house and have lunch with them for three hours, I'm going to spend 12 hours talking to you and to my sponsor to get over it. Right. And I'm like, that doesn't seem like it's worth it. So let's figure out, uh, situation where like i set a boundary where i don't have to come back and talk to you guys for hours to like to not relapse right and eventually i just settled on a meeting in a park was what i could do right time bound by like two hours or whatever um but that was like okay these are the ways i can do these things to maintain some some good sanity and some things that are important to me without things being really bad so um yeah so there, there's this piece though but um when you forgive that person that you swore you were never going to forgive it immediately changes how you are with everybody else right you're not as snippy you're not as like on edge you're not um as ready to be angry with them like like everybody it affects every other relationship um that's what it did for me right like I have so much more capacity to actually love and care for the people that are close to me in my life because I did the forgiveness of the people who harmed me that I have this capacity that I never had before. Um, patience and perseverance and these things there that are just there, right? Um, but for me, they're there because of like the process of forgiveness. If I'm stuck in anger and resentment against somebody i'm just angry about everything and i'm really prickly and easily offended um so so that's like what really really happened for me um i i like you to talk a little bit logan about what happened for you when you've gone through some forgiveness stuff and, and then we'll dig into the last part of the mechanics of it um the i think my my uh understanding of, of forgiveness has has changed a lot in over the last couple of years um because you know i think there's a um, growing up in the church there's a um there can oftentimes be a misunderstanding that that basically forgiveness is that when somebody you know seeks forgiveness you know you're you know there's a responsibility there's a response i mean i think we all do carry a responsibility to forgive uh, especially um as as Christians, because of, of what we've been forgiven for, but there's this understand there's this kind of almost misconception that forgiveness means that okay now I'm fully restored to where I was before with that person as far as relationally, um, because of the fact that when we were 
forgiven by God, we are fully restored into the, a position that that you know we've honestly never occupied since the first time we transgressed. And so there's a desire to to model that 100%, but that breaks down when somebody is, uh, you know, it breaks down when you're in like an abusive relationship or um, somebody is consistently, uh, is consistently harming you. And then, you know, you're like, oh, I have this opportunity, I have to forgive. And then, then I have to open myself up to basically getting hurt again. And there have been, unfortunately, and um, my grandmother was in this situation, my mom was in this situation where, you know, they're in these abusive relationships and they were constantly being told and led to basically continue into those, well, you need to just forgive and continue in those abusive situations. And I think this comes from a misunderstanding of like, of the mechanics of there's a, there's a legal aspect to forgiveness and there's like a legal release. Like we, we, we have this and it's not not the law of the land, but there's like kind of the law of, of the world and the way the world works. I like to, you know, I'm a CS Lewis fan. So I always call it the deep magics, right? There's like, there's, Mm -hmm. there's, there's similarities between every culture because there's just this, there's this, the realities of how the mechanics of human relationships operate. And so there's a process of, of in your mind, opening the door to the possibility of there being restoration of releasing somebody of what they did and saying in my heart, I'm going to make the decision that I'm open to the possibility. I'm open to this process beginning of restoration, but understanding that in many, many times, I mean, if, if, if my wife, you know, does something very small, like she, you know, she forgets, you know, I ask her to pick something up at the store. It's really important. And then she forgets, you know, ah, I'm upset. But I don't have a, there's not a long restoration process, right? It's a small slight. It's an immediate forgiveness. Yeah, you know what? It's not that big of a deal. I love you. I'm going to release you. But, you know, if somebody has been, you know, gaslighting me for most of my life or, you know, manipulating me or, you know, you know, emotionally, you know, uh, harming me physically, the, that process is going to be a long process. But I'm opening up myself up and I'm allowing myself to say that there that there could be a process where I allow that person to be back in my life. And so I think that's that that's what I've been what I've understood more fully that 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 that's what really forgiveness can look like, especially in situations where there's a lot to forgive, is that it's not this pressure to be men. You got to get to the end or else you're a terrible person. No, there's this. I'm going to be open to a restoration of relationship. I want to release you from a legal perspective. I'm going to say, you know what? I forgive. I understand. I forgive the action, but that doesn't mean that our relationship is restored. I'm open to it being restored. I'm open to the process beginning. And maybe there's, maybe we never get back to where we were, but I'm not going to, you know, ex- excise myself, you from my life. I'm going to allow that door to open and then to walk that road. And to me, that's an important differentiation because then when I'm talking to people about forgiveness, especially for things that are very difficult to forgive, it's not this um, artificial pressure to rush to the end where we're fully restored. And in some situations, especially when the other person's not really sorry or going to change, um, you know, it it keeps us from getting ourselves back into a position where we're um, under the under abuse again. Um, and so to me, that's, that's, that's an important 
an important um, understanding that I feel like I have about forgiveness now that I, that I didn't have before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a tricky, hard thing, right? Especially within churches, right? Like we like really value marriages and we really want them to stay together. Right. Um, but it's also abhorrent for somebody to stay, like stay with somebody who's violently abusing them. Right. Like, like, no, like, uh, we shouldn't value marriage over consequences for terrible actions. Right. Like, uh, like there, there's just some things that are there that are really important, um, that we as, uh, churches have to struggle with, right? Like, but we have to be like to sustain ourselves for the decades. Um, we have to keep strong, firm boundaries around our values, right? Um, but to also survive for decades, we also have to be uh, based in forgiveness and absolution of sin, right? And so, like, it's really hard to do both of those at the same time, um, right? So... I fall back onto the way we handle it in recovery groups a lot, right? Like, um, you're always welcome here. Um, if you're using today, we ask that you don't speak, right? Like, like, Hey, like you're actively using. So whatever you're going to share doesn't really help the group because your insanity's there because you're using. Um, so, that's like this boundary right so there's like these just hard things there right like we you need to come in because you need to hit, get the receiving healing of god but you also have to stop your behaviors to really receive the healing of god right so um but behavior-based judgment within uh, those uh, places like uh, that will completely crumble the organization right and so it is an incredibly hard line to do um um and it ends up being a lot of personal work right like this personal work and accountability and um and finding other people that will do that hard work right with you and once you get a group of men and women doing that then then that really moves things forward but it's it's super hard so um because we do really stupid stuff as human beings so yeah um and there's just no getting around the, like the stupidity that we'll do sometimes so um and, and that's where i've seen the forgiveness thing cause the most harm is in is in churches where it's applied in a it's applied in a way um that gives power to the abuser and takes power away from the person who's like legitimately being harmed where it's supposed to be the opposite right um forgiveness is supposed to completely free you uh and they still have the burden of all the things that have been that they've done they have to make amends for right like they still have that entire burden on them regardless of that so I think that's the big trick there, right? Is that balancing act of that 
portion of it of like, like, hey, you need to make an amends, and an amends isn't seeking forgiveness. It's owning that you've did something incredibly wrong. Um, hey, you need to forgive, um, regardless of whether or not they've admitted their their guilt or their like know that they've done something really wrong. It's like giving power to that individual rather than giving it power to external people, right? So, which is very controversial in today's world that we have power and autonomy. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a much bigger conversation we could spend a lot of time on. I, I think just even practically in my own life, though, just even from understanding, um, you know, how, you know, I don't know if people missed last episode or not, but last episode I had to learn a lot about what an amends actually means because I I, I rushed through that process. But even even this week, as I you know in, inevitably transgressed in different ways, I I would challenge myself to where I would normally, oh man, I I screwed up. Let me try to get, let me go say I'm sorry and ask for forgiveness, which is what I was always trained to do. Um, you know, from being a, you know, little kid is to just go and challenge myself not to ask for forgiveness, but to go through the process of just saying, I'm sorry that I basically, I shouldn't have done that. It yeah. was wrong. And um, so this uh, situ situation came up with my son, my youngest son, situation came up with my wife, where I had to do that and say, actually, you know, my my, my reaction was, what I said was was wrong, um, and just and leaving that out there without specifically saying, "Will you forgive me?" I'm just saying, you know, I'm I looking looking at what I did. I shouldn't have done this. It was it was wrong for me. Yeah. To do that. And then just yeah. letting that just letting that hang, and then you know, and then saying, you know, I, I really am sorry. Yeah. But just and and without even without asking, you know. And, and you know it's kind of interesting it's like we teach our children that we teach our children to go like no, go ask for forgiveness mm -hmm. it's like, well not go tell them that you were wrong yes yeah, so that's that's what i've been trying <laughs> to teach my boys right go admit you were wrong and what you did was wrong you don't have to ask me forgive you just have to say it was wrong of me to do that so um yeah. so I'm i'm happy with my own personal development because um i've developed enough interrupts where when something gets said that aggrieves me i stop myself from speaking until i can say something that's not harming the other person um it still harms my relationship with my wife and i still have to make an amends for that uh, because she's wanting me to interact faster um but that's okay it's okay that i don't interact as fast because if i interacted faster i would just make it worse right and so uh yeah i had to make that amends yesterday where i was like yeah sorry um you said x in the middle of this like family situation with our sons and i felt really aggrieved by it and everything i wanted to say would have been really terrible and i was like i'm not saying anything until i can think of something that's going to be constructive in this situation to talk and so i didn't talk for several minutes and she got even more mad because i wasn't talking but i'm like I know all I'm going to do is throw fuel on this fire. Like, like I, I know, I know right now that everything I'm thinking of is not the right thing. And eventually I was able to get to the right thing. And then eventually we went and talked in another room where 
we weren't being like the, the kids weren't right there and we could talk and and deal with it but that's that's just what happens right like i do that all the time and but but it's an positive improvement because i'm not making things worse first well, i'm still making things worse because i'm not quickly interacting but i'm not making them like epically worse with my words right i'm just making them work worse with the silence which is which is an improvement for me um so uh I, I do that a lot the motto that comes up a lot in in the technology sector is move fast and break things which is great for technology not great for relationships no it's uh, you generally find that generally find that when i when i react quickly yeah. in what i say um that like all the wrong know, things happen yeah all the all the wrong things happen i i I'll, I'll share this the most maddening thing happened to me the other day with my wife where um because she'll do that the same thing that you do todd where she's she's like you know I'll, something will have to happen and i'll go like what, like what, what are you thinking or whatever she goes and i know that she has something to say and i go well you know what are you not saying she's like i just i'm thinking about my response and whether or not it's going to make things better or worse and generally eventually like i'll coax it out of it like oh come on you know it's fine you know it gives me time to gives me time to posture myself that she's going to say something that might be a little difficult for me to hear or whatever but the other day we were talking about something and we weren't like in an argument or anything like that but it was just it was just i could i could sense the tension and uh, she said that she says you know i'm just trying to think about this whether or not this is something that i should say if it's going to actually be constructive or it's not going and so i wait for like five minutes 10 minutes so I go, are you going to say anything? She goes, no, I decided not to say anything. <laughs> I was like, I'm still thinking about it. I'm like, that's what I want to know. Like, yeah. I want to know. I want to know what you were going to say. But she made the determination that what she was going to say in no way would have positively impacted the situation. And like, they're her words. I can't make her tell me what they were. But I know, you know, the part of me that, that the part of me that wants everything, everyone to be okay and everyone to love each other and everyone to love me, it is like, you know, was uncomfortable in the moment that I know that she probably had something to say that I w didn't want to hear and I never got to hear it. So, but you know, yeah. it is what it is. I, 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 I'm, I'm still alive. Yeah. Uh, my wife sees reactions on my face and, and thinks they mean something different. Uh, it, she thinks they mean this like super judgmental thing that's stuck in her head. Or I'm like, no, it actually meant this, and I didn't want to talk about it because I like felt that like talking about that was going to raise your anxiety, but not talking about it made it worse. So this is what I was thinking. Um, but yeah, it's 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 always this delicate dance of doing it and doing it well. Um, so I don't have to go make more amends, right? Like I want to treat people well enough where I don't have to do the amends uh because I treated them well with principled, loving, godly uh ways rather than uh the stuff i get sucked into uh, that's like like my gunk right mm -hmm. so mm, all that family of origin stuff we talked about last episode so yeah. cool well guys uh, thank you so much for listening to logan and i chat i think uh we, we had a really good one today so uh next week we are continuing on the very practical side of this journey that is going to be um step 10 which is you know continue to take a daily inventory and when we were wrong promptly admitted it so that'll be a fun one uh 
So the can't wait for that conversation. So, but that'll be good. It's a very good way to live. Um, it doesn't let things build up. So, um, Logan, would you go ahead and pray us out? Yes. Lord, we thank you for this time again, and we we pray that uh, this these words would uh, would find somebody who needs to hear them uh, and encourage them. Lord, we recognize that we have uh, that we have been forgiven for so much, and Lord, we we thank you for that. We pray that uh, we would we would um, operate in such a way that we are a blessing to those people around us. Um, Lord, I specifically pray just for for people out there that they would that you would help to reveal your, their identity to them, their identity in you and who you say they are, uh, which would lead them to their purpose um, so that people can live um, and, and operate in a way that is purposeful. Um, Lord, that blessing is, is an incredible one. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.